Welcome to Hope Church Winter Garden. This week's podcast is part of our Filters series. But man, we're glad you guys are here today. Would you pray for me? Um, pray for one of our team members. Um, you notice that today we normally have a, a bass player who is a female, and that's Jill. And Jill r- messed her car up really bad, totaled her car, broke her arm, and so she couldn't be with us today. But she broke her arm, and, and Diana's like, well, what happened? I'm like, I don't know what happened. I'm a guy. I didn't ask any questions. I just figured she broke it. I don't, I don't know. And she says, well, you know, how did, she, did somebody hit her? She, I'm like, hon, again, I don't know what happened. And she goes, well, do you have a backup plan? She goes, do you have a backup plan for Sunday? I'm like, no. She told me she'd be better by Sunday. You know, only a guy would assume the best. Like, I mean, she broke her arm. And I'm like, she'll be here Sunday. We're good to go. And so um, on, on, that was Tuesday. She texted me that. And then on Thursday, she says to me, I got to have surgery tomorrow. And I'm like, so are you going to be here or not? <laughs> And uh, she's not going to be here, but she's like, man, I hate missing. And um, she's super sweet. She'll listen to the podcast, so she'll hear me say this. I, I love Jill. Jill sent me this text message um, just the other day, and she said, man, this is the church I've been looking for my whole entire life. And I'm like, you're so sweet. I'm like, are you just being nice to me, or do you really mean that? <laughs> and, uh, man, she's just, she's just a cool kid. And, man, we, we, um, we love her, and we, we love her like, like a daughter. And I text her, we love you, we love you like a daughter. And man, we, we love you guys. We, we're glad you're here today. And we don't know you at our church, but we love you. And um, we don't have to know you to love you. And I don't care how bad you are or how good you are. We love you anyways. And um, so we're just glad you guys are here. Um, I've been asked a lot this week, probably about three or four times, someone said, so what kind of church is it? And I said, um, I don't know. And they said, well, is it, is it like, is it denominational? I'm like, no, not denominational. She said, so you're non-denominational. A guy said, you're non-denominational. I'm like, well, you know what? I don't even know if that means anymore because even that means something now. And like, well, well then what, you've got to figure out what you guys are. And I said, you know, we just want to be a Jesus church. And at the core of who Jesus is, is love. And, um, and we live in a society today where, where love is a skewed terminology. And it has, um, it, it, it honestly has less and less weight um, than it used to have. And so we... Um, so we're just a loving church. We'll love the heck out of you here. And we're, just, we're glad you guys are here today. Um, we started a series last week called Filters. And I see a lot of you guys back for week two. This is a four-part series called Filters. And here's what we believe. Everyone is going to go through life and you're not going to stop it. You can't stop life from happening. It's going to happen. Either, gonna ha- either you're going to happen to it or it's going to happen to you, right? Like things just happen. Good things happen. Bad things happened. You, you've heard the phrase before, why do good things happen to bad people? And, and we don't, I don't really like to terminal, I don't like that terminology. I really don't like that phrase because I believe this. Good things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Even more so than that, the Bible tells us there's really not even anybody any good. There's really not, there's really, there's not even a good, there's not even, good doesn't even really exist. No one's good. The Bible says that we're all sinners. And so um, what I like about our church is that everyone's on equal playing ground. We're all bad people. You're like, not me. If you think you're good, you're going to hate this church. Because everyone around you is a bad person. We're all bad. We're all, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the mark. And the mark is Jesus. And so what's cool about us is that we don't, I'm not, I don't got to compare myself to you because we're, all, we're, we're, we're both failures. We, we both missed the mark. I, I, the mark that is said is not it's not me. And that's good news because I'm going to miss the mark. The mark that we try to follow is, is the mark of Jesus. And so that's who we are. So we believe life's going to happen to you, but we believe this. You can control the way that you see life. Have you ever met someone? You're like, they're just negative Nancy. That's the way they see life. But have you ever met one of those obnoxiously super hyper optimistic people? 
Like, they just see life like that. Like, you could like, hey, yeah, my cat died yesterday. Yeah, I'm so excited because I'm going to get a new cat. And they're just like, they're freaking out about the negative things. And they're just excited about life. So we believe that we want to help you over the next three or four weeks. We want to help you look at things a whole new way. Don't, would you believe that? Would you, wouldn't you agree today we live now today in a selfie and a filtered society? Like, I love when I take pictures with people and they're like, don't post that one. That's not me. You're next to me. I took the picture. It's you. No, no, no. Let me, you know, like, it's like, um, have you guys, I, I want to show you, and, and, it's, and it's, it's funny to us, but it's serious too. I want to show you a video, and if, you, if you're alive and you're on social media, maybe you've seen the video of, of these girls. Selfie time. Bottom four, Chase Field, D-backs trail the Rockies, one nothing. And while there, maybe they'll tweet us their fan photo, BB. Now's the time, fans. Uh, get on the uh, Twitter with a hashtag of the whole thing, AZ Data Strong Fan. Then you might see your fan photo at a Diamondback TV broadcast brought to you by T-Mobile. <laughs> I mean, look, look at the one on the right. Do you have to with, make faces when you take selfies? Wait, one more now. Oh, there you go. Better angle. Oh, check it. Did that come out okay? That's the best one of the 300 pictures I've taken at, myself like, today. Every girl in the picture is locked into her You get phone. the point. I love this video. You can watch the rest of it. It goes every on for minutes. You can only imagine how good it is. And it's, it's this is idea of it's not, it's not right yet. I, I don't like the way that looks. And that was honestly, from, from my own personal uh, uh, professional opinion, that was the easy part, getting the picture right. But then you've got to find a filter. Like, and you just... Like, you know the filters. And then what's hard about the filters, you can now adjust the filters. And then if you don't even want to use Instagram, you can use a whole other thing and you can try to find a new filter. But we live in a, such a filtered society and, um, and we want to help you. And I, I believe this, man, I, I, I can give you a lot of help. Um, I'm, I'm, I haven't lived a long life, but I can help you. I'm, I'm an optimistic person. I can, I, can, I can help people and I like to help people. I believe Jesus put inside of us to help people. And I spend a lot of time sitting with people saying, I really feel like I, a lot of times I'm, I'm more like a life coach than I am a pastor. I don't even like the word pastor. I'm just, just a normal person doing life. And I, I begin to coach people. But, man, I realize this. If, I, if people had the right filter, if people saw things the right way, it would be a game changer in their life. It would be a game changer in their life. Last week, John Eric, who's our friend, one of our overseers, he, he used a uh, verse in the Bible, John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says this, the Bible, the, Satan has come to kill you. And to steal from you and to destroy you. And it says in there, Jesus, and Jesus said, Jesus says, but I've come. I've come to give you peace. I've come to give you a life that is full. A life that is full. Or another translation says, I've come to give you an abundant life. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to just survive life. Have, we've all been there. Have you ever just tried to survive? Isn't that miserable? Surviving, I want to thrive at life. I want, to be, I want to be happy when I wake up. I want to be happy in the middle of the day. I want to be happy at the end of the day. I want to live life to the fullest. And you know that's possible. The reason why it's possible is because Jesus said, I've come to give you a life that's abundant, a, a, a great life, a, a life that's full. And so we looked at last week. And so you have, to, you have to look at life in one of two ways. Either you're going to have a world filter, W-O-R-L-D, world filter, or you have to have a word filter. And the word filter that John Eric gave us and that, that God has given us is his word. We stand on this. When we leave out of here today, I'll walk into the cafeteria 
amongst all the cheerleaders that are out there. Maddie, pray for me. I don't want my daughter to be a cheerleader. Number one, I can't afford it. And number two, those girls are always hyper. Like they're just, like they like live on sprees, I think. <laughs> She's like, we're not coming back next week. You just talk bad about us, you know. Um, you, you, we have an option. So I'll walk over there and I'll, and I'll teach through what's, our, what's called our, our next steps. And I'll tell them like, we, if, you, if you have a problem with our church, you have a problem with Hope Church, you only get to come to me with the Bible and say, here's why we think you're, what you're doing is wrong. That's the only time you get to come to me and say, hey, we don't like what you're doing. We think you're a heretic. Like, and if you want to, I, I say this in the class, like, if you want to leave our church, you only, you only get one excuse to leave our church. And they're like, what is it? Like, what kind of pastor brings new people into an environment, feeds them lunch, and watches their kid for an hour and tell them, hey, I'm going to give you one reason when you get to leave the church. Who does that? Only me. <clears throat> we will always stand on God's word. We just will. Because if it gets to be about my opinions, you'll hate this church. Like, and, and, I, and if it was about your opinions, I'd hate this church too. Like, isn't it? Like, because there, there'd be a lot of opinions. Everyone would be throwing out their ideas. So we stand on ground. I said, if I ever get up here and I don't preach this word, then you, have, you, have, you get to leave the church. You get to, you get to leave and we'll give you a letter of recommendation. <laughs> Just because we're nice. I want to look at a story of a man who had a day from hell. He just had the worst day of his life. Have you ever had one of those days? Have you ever had that day multiple times over and over again? Have you seen those fail videos? I love those things. I love those fail videos. Could you imagine just having, and maybe you have before. Maybe you've already had your whole world just flipped upside down. If that's you in here today, you're in a great place to be. You're in a great place to be. We say this, that it's, it's okay to not be okay here. It's okay to not be okay. It's, it's just, that's okay. But you know what it's not okay? It's not okay to stay that way. So what's good news is if you're like, man, I came here, I'm beat up. I've had the worst day of my life. Maybe you've had that several times. We want to give you some pieces today. We want to give you something from God's word today that can help you. But could you take a moment while I read to you? Um, the guys are like, There's, I'm going to read a whole chapter today. They're like, you, you can barely get through three verses. <laughs> you know, like, um, I'm going to read this chapter today, but could you, could you imagine having a day like this? Job chapter 1, it'll be up on the screen for you. Job chapter 1, and if you have a Bible or if you have an um, electronic device, we use the New Living Translation, and on top of that, commercial. Like, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. We think, every, we think everyone who's trying to follow Jesus ought to have a Bible, because that's how you'll grow. Like, you're going to get me for 25 minutes, um, but you can have the Bible every single day. And um, you probably don't read it the way I read it, because I've got a lot of messed up stuff inside my head. Um, Amy is one of the moms on the quarterback club. She goes, we think a lot alike. And I'm like, I am so sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to pray for Rob. Or I'm like, I need to pray for Rob. Like, and, you, and Rob, I'd be praying for my wife. Dealing with us two, that's a nightmare. And um, um, anyways, let me read this verse to you. I, get a, I have ADD, by the way, and OCD. I have all the letters, actually. Um, <laughs> and so I just have these commercials I want to say. I, I, I want to say this every week. I just love this place. I love this place. I, I texted Amy um, yesterday, and I just, we were at the football game on Friday night, and she was like, come sit with us. And I'm like, I'm six deep. <laughs> I was thinking that, but I'm like, we're just going to go up there anyways, and I've got one-year-olds that aren't behaved. I've got a four-year-old who's not even close to being saved yet. I have an eight-year-old who's like next to Jesus himself most days, except for she's developing the attitude. I need your help, Maddie. You know, like, I just need some help. And so we just love this place. So we go here, we go here we serve lunch throughout the week, and 
we, we come here to football games and we come to church here on Sunday morning. We just like being here. You know, I'm trying to figure out if they can let me build a house on campus, you know, and so um, I would live here if I could. Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man named Job. He lived in the land of Uz, not to be confused with Oz. Um, I don't know, maybe it changed. I don't know. He was blameless. He was a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. If you're a man in here today, um, short hair, you know, you, you, you're, you're a man. Like you, just, you're a man. You know, I don't know how to describe that to you, but you're a man. Like, this ought to be a verse that we try to live out every single day. We live in such a society where it's, that's becoming, this is becoming so far away from what a man is. Does that make sense? Like, we ought to fear God. Like, you want to be, you, you young guys in here today, you want to be attractive? To, you want a girl to like you? Man, fear God. Be a, be, a, be a godly leader. That'll be the best thing you have going for you. Girls, I, I don't know if I said this yet, but I'm going to say it again. Girls, you don't want sexy Steve. You want steady Eddie. Like, you want solid, consistent. Steve Reno, he's like, I'm sexy and I'm steady. Like, he's different. There's, a, there's always an exception, Steve. But you want a guy who's solid and who he loves Jesus. That's what you're looking for. You want that guy. You don't, you can mess up. When these girls come in, I'm like, well, I like this guy. What's he look like? Oh, he's so hot, Pastor Wes. I'm like, like me hot or like what kind of hot? What kind of hot? I'm just kidding. Kind of. I'm like, you don't, I'm like, where's the, and the next question I always ask. They want, they want me to see the guy. They want him to look good. I mean, I'm for, I'm for that. He's like, but then I say, well, where does he go to church at? Like, that's my second question. Like, oh, he doesn't go to church. I'm like, yeah, he's out. He's not, it's not going to work unless he's here this Sunday. Then we can kind of prolong it a little. We all three can start dating each other now. It's going to work. Like, I need to see him this Sunday. To, I need to, you know, I need to size him up, make sure. He... Girls, you want that. You want a man. If you, if you come to me and say, man, Wes, I found a guy. He loves Jesus. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But most of the time we're like, hey, Pastor, I like this guy. He's an awesome athlete. I'm like, he's good looking too, isn't he? Like, yeah, he's hot. Yeah. He doesn't love Jesus. No, he doesn't. But I'm going to get him there. Like, you're not going to get him there. I love these. You're like, I'm going to get him there. You're not going to get him there. But this is sidetrack. So I'm on verse two now. <laughs> are you taking bets? Are, take, are y'all taking bets back there? <laughs> Job chapter one, verse two. Here's how rich he was. You can love Jesus and be rich, by the way. Here's a good example. He had seven... He had seven sons and three daughters, which is way too many kids in my opinion. Just saying. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen. He had 500 female donkeys. I don't know why he had to name that they were male or female, but they were donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person that was in the entire area. Loving Jesus and flat out rich. We live in a society, I have some friends like, oh, you can't be rich and, and love Jesus. You can be rich and love Jesus. You can be poor and love Jesus. It really doesn't matter. Some of the most, some of the most kind, I know some of the most generous people are the, some of the most rich people that I know. You can love Jesus and still be rich. And, and this is, because a lot of times we think, well, I can't go to church because they're going to say, oh, I, if you have this much and you have this, this, and this, you can't be like, the Bible says you can, you can love Jesus and still have a lot. But loving Jesus ought to be first. Job's sons, Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. They were throwing awesome parties. When this celebration ended, sometimes 
sometime after several days, Job would purify his children because they partied hard. He's like, I need to pray for him because you drank a little bit too much. I'm going to pray for you guys. You guys were a little bit too wild. The music was turned up a little bit too loud. And when the son, he would purify for his kids, he would, this guy was just, he loved his kids. He would take care of them. He would, in our translation, he would try to get their parents, his parents would try to get them to go to church. They'd try to get them to a place, they'd try to get them closer to Jesus. And as parents, we ought to, we ought to do that. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. I mean, this guy was trying really hard to love his kids. Here's when everything went to hell for him. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And that Satan showed up. Satan showed up. Verse 7. Where have you come from, the Lord said to Satan. Satan said, I'm glad you asked. I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless. He's a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. Man, this guy's getting it, right? Like this guy is, this guy is, he's like winning when it comes to church one-on-one. He's winning, right? Like this guy loves Jesus. This guy's reading his Bible. This guy is serving people. This guy's praying for his kids. This guy is like, when you look at him, like, man, this is a good guy. This is a solid guy. And Satan says, this guy's killer. And Satan says to the Lord, yeah, but he's, but Job has good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. I mean, but reach out and take away everything that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And you and I are probably thinking the same thing. Man, he's right. God's blessing his life and God's taking care of him. He has everything. Then there's no way I could mess him up. Like he's just, he's killing, like he is, he is killing that life. He's blameless. He's a solid, solid dude. There's no possible way that I could mess him up, Satan says. You've always put a, you've always put a, a protection around him. And Jesus says to him, all right, go after him, he said. Do whatever you want with him. Take away everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Verse 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them, thousands of animals. The Sabians rolled up like, I don't, they rolled up like a Kobe high school, but then they got their butts kicked, you know, and, but <clears throat> kind of like that type of thing. And so, um, the, the, the Sabians rolled up. They raided us. They stole all the animals. They killed all their farmhands. And I'm the only guy left to tell you, man, it's getting bad, isn't it? Like, they, they took my animals. I think every animal, I mean, every animal, I don't like animals. Like, I just don't. Like, cats, they're like Satan's right-hand man. Like, they're just, there's nothing good, there's nothing good about cats. If you like cats, we need to pray over you. All the cats will be in hell. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Verse 16. While he was still speaking, they have cats. (laughs) I'm just kidding, girls. Um, While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with the news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven, and it burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one 
who escaped to tell you. Verse 17, while he was still speaking, same conversation. Can you imagine having your whole world flipped upside down in one conversation? I mean, talk about a bad day. Then as he's talking to him, while he was still speaking, a third guy rolls up. With this news, three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and they killed your servants. And I'm the only guy who's left to tell you this. Like three strikes, you're out. Can it get any worse? While he was still speaking, another messenger rolled up. Your sons and daughters were feasting in the oldest brother's house. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness. It hit the house on all the sides. The house collapsed and all the children are dead. I'm the only one, who is a, I'm the only one who's there that's escaped to tell you. Job stood, Job's like, dang. <laughs> Can it get any worse? I have a friend who planted a church. And he said, man, I planted a church. He goes, it was the hardest year of my life. He said, divorce happened to our family. Thought that would never happen. Death happened to our family in that season. Disease happened in that. Not to, not to mention all the dysfunction that happened in the midst of the people that were even actually at the church. He goes, it was like it was the worst year of my life trying to start this church. And, and here's, the, here's what I know. Some of you guys, you guys have lived that day. Where it just, like, everything that you thought was, was going well, it just fell apart. Like, dang, this is, th- that, I can relate with that, Wes. You know what I believe? Most people can relate with this. Most people can relate with this. Let me read the rest of the story in case they're taking bets about me not finishing it. Job stood up, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, which I'm totally okay with. He shaved his head, he fell to the ground, and he worshiped God. And he said this, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I have, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Like, if you're reading that, you're like, that's weird that you just got naked like that. What he was saying is this. He goes, I'm about to die. Like, if you don't know the Bible, that sounds weird. Like, he said, I'm about to go back to my mom's womb. Isn't that weird? Like, there's some weird stuff in church. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go back to my mom is what he just said. That's weird. <laughs> some of you guys that have messed up minds are laughing. Like, that would be weird. Yeah. I'm going back. He goes, I'm about to die. This is miserable. I, I'm, everything just fell apart. I'm going to, I'm, obviously, I'm next. You know that phrase, everything happens in threes? He's like, I'm living this right now. I'm, it's all about to go Everything has just gone to hell. I'm going to prepare for it. And um, here's this last verse. I love this verse. And he says this, in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Man, I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of transparency. It's one of the best things I have going for me. If God took one of my kids from me, one of them, I would be, I'd have a hard time with that. Wouldn't you, moms? Some of you guys like, it depends which one it is <laughs> on which day. <clears throat> Man, I'd be, I would be mad about that. And just, I, would, I would have a hard time with that, wouldn't you? And this guy gets up, he never, ever sins, it says here, by blaming God. I wrote out a four-week series for this, and I, I just do it justice, and I'm, I'm going to do it justice. Um, 
and, and this fact, I, was, I had different stories lined up, but I'm just going to walk you through Job's life over the next three weeks, if that's okay with you guys. Next week, we're going to talk about the filter of fulfillment. You're like, this guy had everything, and so he obviously lived, he could embrace the John 10, 10 life, the life to the fullest. This guy had it. He just, he was the richest guy in the area, fulfillment. And we're going to talk about the filter of forgiveness. And this guy, he lived out the filter of forgiveness. He just, he just did. He lived out, he filter out. But I want to talk to you guys today about the filter of faith. How do you get through the worst day of your life? And, and, and here's what I know, man. I, I'm very careful, and you can tell I'm, I'm treading on thin water today. There are many of you guys, and you, you've lived this. And my four-year-old daughter, my eight-year-old daughter, had, she fell at three and a half and had to get stitches in her, in her, in her lip. And, that, and lost her two front teeth at three. Like that was, and that was tragic for us. But I, I got through that. My son, three and a half years later, now he's three and a half, he takes a trip to the emergency room. He's got to get stitches up his lip. I told you two weeks ago, he fell and busted his nose wide open. Like, that, that honestly, that's, if I said to you, I know how you're feeling, that would be an insult to a lot of you guys in here today. I had a friend call me a few, a kid I went to high school with. He says, man, I have the worst life there is. And I'm like, do tell. And, you know, we're not a perfect church. And, and no one here is perfect, but you could come to, you can come to me and, and a good majority of people in this church, and you can say, can I tell you about my life? And they would sit and listen to it. They would sit and listen to you. You know what they would say? I hate that, that you had to live that life. And then they would begin to share you their story of, of how, they, but, you know, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter, but they would sit there and they would listen to you. You have, at this church, we, one of the, our core values is, is, is to be an encourager. So we'll walk with you on your worst day of your life. Some of my lifelong friends helped us start this church because I walk with them on their hardest days of their life, their marriage, with their family, with their kids. We've walked with them. But how do you, when everything, like, when I, is the word everything, like, I don't have to go to the Greek to tell you what that means. It means everything. Like, when everything goes to hell, like, how do you walk that life, less? And the only thing I can tell you to get through that life is to use the, the filter of faith. The Bible says this. Abel, I'm ready for you, my man. The Bible says this, and if you, if you got a worship guy when you walked in, there's a spot to take notes, and you, if you want to take a couple things down. Can I tell you what the Bible says? Um, how do you, David said this, and you can go read this whole, if you want to write down a, a, something to read later. Psalm chapter 42, David says this, you've got to put your faith in God. I'm about to unpack this in just a moment. So, man, you got to put your faith. Read the whole chapter. The whole chapter is good. Like, on your worst day, read what David. David, I mean, if you want to, if you put up a picture of a creep, David's the guy. But in the Bible, it calls him the man after God's own heart. This guy, this guy sleeps with a girl who's not his wife, comes to find out it's his right-hand man's wife. He knows that, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, and then he has the guy murdered. And Jesus says, and, and God's word says, he's the man after God's own heart. That is weird, right? Like, does that not, does that, comp- does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. But here's what David says. We've got to, God says that God gives David these words. You've got to put your faith in God. Here's what, the, here's what Romans says. The Romans says is, how do you live life? Like, what filter do I use, Wes, to live my life? And he says here, if you're a believer, Romans, the writer of Romans says, if you're a believer or if you're righteous, you've got one way to live your life. You know what the way to live your life is? With a faith filter. With a faith 
filter. Write down this word, for this, this definition of the word faith. It's not going to be on the screen, so this is, this is for you. Faith, faith in God means this, that you trust him no matter what. You know what's good about that? Let me unpack that for you. You know what's good about that? You, if you haven't had your life flipped upside down, there's a good chance that it may happen to you or someone real close to you if it's gonna happen to him. And Jesus didn't put you, God didn't put me on this earth for me. You know who God put me on this earth for? For other people. I'm no different than you. Rob set eight rows back. God didn't put Rob on this earth for Rob. He didn't do that. I used to try to, Alan's in the back, I used to try to kill Alan on the basketball court. And this school would just beat the snot out of us. I'd football him as my brother-in-law. These guys would get on dog, they would get on, they would get in these dog piles and they would pile up. And these are two Christian schools. Like when you get Christians together, man, we're so mean to each other when it comes to sports. They would just do some of the things that I don't even know if I should say in public to each other on those dog piles. Like we, we would try to kill each other, but God, here, all these years later, graduated in 2000, 15 years later, Alan walks in this church. The guy used to kill, Alan didn't, God didn't put Alan on this earth and Scott on this earth for you. We, God didn't put us on this earth for us. God put this, us on this earth for other people. That's a game changer, guys. If you're here for yourself, if you, if you live life for yourself, you, you, would, you and I could sit across from each other and you would say, man, I'm miserable. People that live for themselves are miserable. How many of you guys like selfish people? One out of one people don't, unless you are selfish. Like, like myself, like you don't, no one likes selfish people. Don't, doesn't everyone like generous people? I don't, I've never met anyone says, I don't like them. They're too nice. They just, we go out with them and hang out. They, you know, they're just too nice to me. I've never met anyone who's, who's, who's generous and someone says, I don't, I don't like generous people. How do you get through? Faith in God means this. I'm going to trust God no matter what. And here's, here's why that's important. Because when things are good, the Bible says it, it came from God. Every good and perfect gift, it says it comes from God. So if you think that when things are going good, it's all about you, then we know what happens when it gets taken from you. You're devastated. I've got, I get cynical the older I get. But, and, I, and, I'm, and this is going to make me sound a little bit old, I think. Like, these, I, I, it's, whenever I see a mom, and this is going to like, whenever I see a mom post, oh, my kid's my world, I'm like, I'm so sorry for you. And I know, I know what it means. They're like saying, I love my kid a lot. I get that. It'd be easier to say, I love my kid a lot. But you know what I, you know what I want, you know the kind of life I want to live? I, if something happens to my kid, God forbid, I, I want to be up here the next week. Because I look at this guy here, and I have a faith filter. I look at things through a lens of faith. I want to be able to say, man, David said, God gives and God takes away, but bless his name. I don't want to live, I don't want to be, if something happens to my car tomorrow, Brooke and TK are really good friends tomorrow. They have their second night of their new home. Their car, one car is broken into, another car is stolen. Like, I want to be able, when things go to, when things go to hell, I want to be able to say, you know what? God gives, God takes away, but I'm going to bless his name no matter what. And when you live a life of faith and you realize everything is from God, man, you just, you could walk through the darkest times of your life. I sat at a funeral for a 40-year-old man two weeks ago. And the older brother got up there, the younger brother got up there. And they just said, we're going to be okay because we have Jesus. And I'm like, man, I hope I have that testimony. I hope I have that. I hope I can be able to say that about my life. And I just, I'm for God. I'm just for whatever he wants.
Can I tell you what a faith filter looks like for all my note takers? Can I, can I tell you good news? This is important. What you're going through is temporary. What you're going through is temporary. What you're going through, it's temporary. You're like, how do you know? Because eternity starts when we get to heaven. So whatever, you're, whatever you got going on earth, it's, only, it's temporary, my friend. And I'm telling you to say, because I love you, what you're going through is temporary. You're like, oh, you don't, it, it hurts still. Yeah, but you know what? It is temporary. My best friend was one of my, one of my close friends, and I have a lot, everyone's like my best friend, because I love everyone. One of my close friends that helped us launch this church, married for 21 years, his wife died of cancer. 21 years of marriage. If he would have said, you know what, that's, my life's over because my wife is gone, then man, I, he wouldn't be where he's at today. I believe this, no matter where you're at in your life today, I believe this, the best is yet to come for you. But if you think that what you're going through is the end of the world, and you think, you know what, that's my life's over, then you'll never get to God's best. And, and, and here's, and here's I, I want to be very clear today. I'm a, I'm a, a guy walked out a few weeks ago. He goes, I don't like church. I'm just going to come check this out, check you out, see what you got going on. He walked out that, that, that came week one, came to you, he goes, man, you came week one. He goes, you're the youngest pastor I've ever listened to and actually liked it. And I said, oh, thanks. I don't know if that was good or bad, but you know what I, you know what I, you know what I, you know what I believe? I just looked at the guy and said, you know, I said, man, we just, we just want to know. We just want to love people here. We just want to hang out with people. We just want to do life with people. And we believe for everyone here today that your best is yet to come. But if you think what you're going through is permanent, you'll never get God's best for your life. I remember walking through the hospital as like a 21-year-old, 23-year-old pastor. And I remember asking his family, are you guys okay? No. Or not. So what happened? He said, "My, I'm a, we, we just had our first kid." And I said, "Oh, everything, everything okay?" No, no, no. She, she's probably our, our baby's like three. Or, it was like the baby's like three or four days old. She's like not going to make it out of the hospital for a while. And I said, "I'm not really sorry that." And I said, "You know, honestly, probably not going to make it out ever. Our daughter's probably going to die here." And so I don't want you to think for one moment that I think what you're going through is light, because it's not. It's not. I've never, I've never lost my wife before. I don't know if I'll stay. You know, if, she, if I lose my wife, can I be transparent? If I lose my wife, I, I like to get here to say, man, I'm still going to love Jesus and I'm going to make it. But, you know, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I never, it's never, it never happened to me before. I don't know. I, I don't know what it's like. But I know this. You're like, man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting divorced or whatever your thing is. I've sat with two 24-year-old girls that have been married for, one was married for six months and got divorced. One was married for a year and got divorced. And I walked through the darkest days of their life. And you know what I said to them? Same thing I'm going to say to you. And they said, man, I just, I don't know if I'll get through this. And I said, you will. Because what you're going through is temporary. And we're going to see in Job's life, what he's going through is temporary. What he's going through is temporary. What he went through and what you're going through is temporary. And here's the second thing that I wrote down for you and I today. Not only is what you're going through temporary, you're going to survive it. You're going to survive it. 
How do you know, Wes? Here's how I know. Job survived it. You know how he got through it? He started looking at life through a faith filter. Can I ask you, for you in here today, how do you see life? How do you see life? I wrote down this in my notes, that living a life of faith, for some of us in here today, even for me at some point in my life, it's a whole new way of seeing things. And you're like, that's easy for you. You know what I like? You know what sometimes I love? I love new. I'm already excited about January's sermon series because you know what? People are gonna come because it's a new year. They're gonna get a new them. I'm already excited about it. I like new. I, I really like new. Wouldn't it be awesome if you start seeing things in a whole new way? For the majority of you guys, that's scary, Wes. That's scary, Wes. Can I say this to you? If you begin to live your life through a faith filter, it's not about, and, and here's a clarification statement. You're like, man, what's that gonna look for my life, Wes? That sounds scary. You know what? It's the best scary you'll ever go through. I'd rather sit in, in my house and try to figure out if I'm taking the right steps as a follower of Christ than to sit next to a dying friend who I'm not gonna see ever again. Like, what does that mean? I'd rather, I'd, I, I would rather do, that's scary. Following Jesus is scarier than sitting next, for me sitting next to someone and watching them die, it's scarier for me. I wanna live a life that where I take every single step, I'm not exactly sure what it looks like down the road, but I just know this, that God's gonna be there underneath that, that next step. I take the next step, God's going to be there. I have no idea what's going to happen. Can I give you a moment with a moment in my mind? Can I tell you what I know? This I have this idea of what Hope Church looks like five years down the road. I am a futuristic piece of work. So much that I for, I have forgotten to embrace the weeks and the months. Does that make sense? I know what it looks like down the road. I know what I think it looks like, but I have forgotten to embrace the weeks and the months and the people that are all around me. It's hard for me, um, Garrison and Taylor, they're, a, they're only married for less than three years. They're young, they're young, 23 is young. <laughs> <clears throat> I already, I, I said to them, I said, can I, can I freak you guys out? Yeah, go for it. I'm like, I'm already excited about what, what, your, what you guys, what your capability and what you're going to look like in six months and a year from now. I'm already excited about that. You're like, can't we just get to next Sunday? I'm excited about that, that I forget. Can I say this to you today? What you're going through is temporary and you're going to survive it. Now, here's the catch. All the burden of proof, it's not on me. It's not on me. It's good lawyer terms, right, TK? The burden of proof is not on me. You know who it's on? It's on John Wesley Beecham the first. It's on John Wesley Beecham the second. And my son, John Wesley Beecham the third. It's on them. And it's on the Renos, all three of them. And it's on the Miller family. It's on them. And it's on Taylor and Garrison. And it's on my friends over here that I just met today. And it's on Jimmy, who's the who's the guy that runs this whole entire school. He's not the principal, but he runs it. He's right below the principal. Like, it's on you. 
And you know what I, you know what I had to do in my life? I had to sit in a chair like you, and I had someone say to me, God's best is for you. You know what the difference maker was? I started believing that that could happen for me. The burden of proof is not on, that statement, the burden of proof is not on me. Like, it, it, it sounds good. It preaches good. But I have to live it out, and you have to live it out. It's on you. That's why, this, that's why, that's why we work hard on not judging people here, because it is a, being a Christian, it is a personal, one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're going to give an account for how you lived your life on earth with him. I'm not going to be there next to you probably behind you. Like, I'm like, hey, remember me from Hope Church? Like, I'll be like, hey, shout out. You know, like, but it's on you. Can I ask you a question today? How are you going to get through the rest of your life, the good or the bad? I can only tell you what the men that have gone before me. I've never been. I, I am rich. I, I, I believe that. I'm rich in a lot of areas. More people in our world have a cell phone and have a toothbrush. I'm rich. I, I, I have running water. Nairobi, Kenya, where, where I spent some, I don't share a toothbrush with none of my family. My friends in Kenya that come to our church and help church, some of them share a toothbrush. I'm, we're rich. I, I, and so you're like, are oh, you guys a rich church? We are a rich church. Like we have, like that we're under this building and there's air conditioning, whether it works good or not, we're, that, we ha- that you had, even if you, can, if you can take public transportation, you're rich. You don't have to own your own car to be rich. If you make, if your household income is more than $50,000 a year, your household, you're in the top 10% of the world's richest people. Because 50% of the people live on less than $2 a day. Well, man, we're rich. I, you, you, there's not one person that can walk out the door and when I shake your hand, you can say, you know what? You said that we're all rich and I, that's not me. You can be homeless in America and be richer than most people in the world. Are you, are you soaking that in today? So whether you have much or you have little in here today, can I ask you a question? Are you living a life with a faith filter? I'm just going to trust God no matter what. No matter what, Wes, I'm just going to go on the journey with him. I don't know what it's going to look like for you. I don't know what it's going to look like for me. No idea. But I know this, I'm gonna live my life with a faith filter. How do I how should I live my life, Wes? A life of faith. You can bow your head and close your eyes. Thank you for listening to today's message. Visit us at hopewintergarden.com to connect with us.